My earliest memories of the coronavirus being declared a pandemic are faded at best, but what I do remember from those early days was the panic people were experiencing around securing groceries and the fear of going into stores to get those necessities. And I wanted to spend some time talking with some of my friends and family about what that experience was like for them and some of the different ways they've gone about it. Welcome to When We Were Quarantined, a podcast about some of the ways our world changed during the COVID-19 pandemic and the real stories from people facing those changes. As soon as it started happening in November, we were like, it's going to go bad. It's going to go bad. My friend Nick discusses what he and some coworkers noticed early on. And every we would always just talk about it out at work like this is this is not going well look at these people like oh it's okay my my entire city is under lockdown but i will take pills and get out and go to italy and somehow italy is infected real bad so just randomly started buying extra flour and crab my wife chrissy recalls the last time she stepped foot in a grocery store before quarantining and i went and i waited forever i waited at the deli counter for over an hour because it was the first day that everything was closed, so it was the first day people were home during the day. So I was there at like noon, waiting for a deli order. I think I was 25th or something in line for my deli order, which was just super weird. All the aisles were empty because everyone was in like full-blown panic mode, and I just, it was so surreal. No one was wearing masks, but like people were like definitely looking at each other, like stay away from me. Then she tells a story that makes this all seem very real. I was walking just right past the eggs and there was a little old lady uh, standing there with her car just kind of like staring at the wall of nothing where the eggs usually are. And an employee walked right past and she said, excuse me, do you have any eggs? He said, nope, we're all out and I don't know when we're going to get any more in. And... I just felt so bad for this woman. I, if I had eggs, I would have given them to her, but I didn't. And I just thought, like, they're saying it's, it impacts older people more than it impacts younger people. Like, this might be the only time she can get to the store. Like, how is she going to eat if she doesn't have eggs? And it just made me really worried. This scene of seeing empty aisles in a grocery store became pretty common. Uh, A lot of it was due to folks panic buying and hoarding and running into stores just getting everything they needed, um, which led to some real fear. I know I had this worry too around thinking there was maybe going to be a food shortage. And there sort of was in certain areas, but it, it wasn't for reasons that it wasn't because there was a lack of food out there. Uh, it was more that a lot of these stores weren't prepared for this, for one. And so there was real stress put on the supply chain uh, for distributors to get food and resources where it needed to go. Uh, and then actually, in some areas, there was a surplus because. Uh, farmers, livestock owners, dairy farmers, all these producers 
were not able to get their product where it needed to go because restaurants were shutting down, factories were closing. And so actually a lot of food was going to waste. Um, and even a lot of, uh, like food kitchens, um, who tend to help lower income families, they usually get their food and resources from sometimes from restaurants that don't use certain amounts of food or, or don't use their surplus. Um, and so those institutions weren't getting resources as well because they usually work through the restaurants. So there was a complete breakdown in the supply chain and it happened so quickly. There was, it was hard to adapt the infrastructure. Uh, over time, we saw grocery stores catch up, inventory start to come back. But early on, it did seem like things were cut off. Meat actually became one of the scarcest resources early on in grocery stores, mostly because a lot of the big meatpacking facilities became hotbeds for virus outbreaks. And people started turning to local butchers. And although some had to close, there are still some that are reporting just huge demand and huge increases in demand and working around the clock to uh, process the meat and supply it to customers. Multiple weeks of trying to get groceries delivered, there was no meat. My wife Chrissy explains her experience. So I did like a local Philly co-op and got meat. And then the next week they were out of meat. And I was like, okay. Then we found the butcher and that was awesome. And it was a really good deal, but you had to expose yourself because they didn't deliver. So you had to actually go into this tiny little hole in the wall butcher and tiny little suburb <laughs> and it was gross and I, you there was no way to social distance there do you find whatever store you're going to like people are pretty respectful like everyone's trying like giving space Seems for the most part, it's tough with the giving space thing. Like, I don't even, I don't know. I don't even really think about it. Cause it's like, by the time I think, oh shoot, I'm supposed to keep six feet. It's, they're already gone. And it's like, the exchange is over. My brother, Eric talks about what it was like going to grocery stores during this time. You know, if I can keep just like in the lines, that's where I think it really counts because that's where people are stationary and like waiting. So there's longer, uh, a longer period of exposure, but it's tough because I've one of my students, I just did a meeting with him the other day and he works at Safeway. And so we spent like a good amount of time talking about like his experience working at Safeway. And it's like frightening because it's such a major corporation. So they're not allowed to enforce that. Like there's security guards there, but they're not allowed to enforce that people wear masks. Like they would need to like staff an actual police officer to do that. Not only are stores not enforcing mask wearing, but in some cases they're avoiding the topic altogether. In an article on CNN.com back in April, some of the big box stores like Wegmans, Giant, Kroger admitted that they don't want to cause conflict. And Wegmans actually said they want to minimize the likelihood of conflict in our stores and they won't put our people in the position of having to deny entry to our stores. And this is even in states where masks are required. This was said by a representative from Wegmans. Um, there was actually a case where an employee was reprimanded for trying to enforce the mask wearing on their own. Um, so big box stores kind of skirting the issue a little bit. Um, another quote from the article 
is Nellie Brown, the Director of Workplace Health and Safety Programs at Cornell University's Institute of Labor Relations, said that if a state has made requirements on masks, that would take precedence. But if a state was silent on the issue, the stores could take the issue into their own hands and set their own requirements. So it can fall to the stores and some are choosing to ignore it. So it is very much on the public to use your own judgment and wear a mask when possible. I likened it to like, it's the new like societal expectation is like, if you're going outside, it's a courtesy to wear a mask. Just like, you know, if you're, this is the, this is what I told him. I was like, if you're a nudist, right. And you are, you're at home and you're naked all the time. And that's like your way of life. Fine. But when you're in public, like society expects you to wear clothes. So it's just courtesy. It's not like put your personal thing aside because currently the societal expectation is that you wear a mask. When you go to the store, what's what's it like? Empty, which is great. It feels like the Midwest again. <laughs> That's my friend Nick again. It's like shocking how quickly um, commercial America or whatever has print, printers and everything to put stickers on the ground to tell you where to stand. Like those have been made so fast. It's like where did this where did this production come from? Like, have you been planning this? Like, is this, is this a backup? And no one's listening to these things. Like, Michael, Michael's at most of our shopping. He's like, and he's like, I was at uh, Giant, and like, there are people walking. Like, you can't go down that aisle that direction. This is an up aisle, not a down aisle. And they're like arguing with each other. I'm like, I have to restock it. Like, it's like everyone's just inconveniencing everyone. And you know, Americans can't be inconvenienced, so. <laughs> I was at Target too. You're right about the printing and the labels. They have like Target branded signage and stickers and like sneeze guards. Like, I guess I, I get it. Like they had like seasonal promotions and whatnot. So they must have that stuff. But like it happens so quickly everywhere. I don't know how stores got signage and all these things so quickly, but I do have to hand it to them for trying and testing things so quickly to help people uh without well obviously there was concern about their own revenue but doing things to really support uh some of the laws and the social distancing guidelines uh to remain open because while these are businesses that need to make money they are also very necessary obviously everyone needs to still get their food um there was an article from supermarketnews.com of all places um, that gave some detail around what some of the big box stores like Walmart and Kroger and Giant were testing early on. Things like one-way aisles, like Nick mentioned, signage, obviously, uh, reducing capacity, uh, trying to get people down to one person per cart, adding audio messages over the PA, reminding people to practice social distancing. Um, Kroger actually cut their capacity to 50%, so typically... I learned a grocery store tries to have one person per 60 square feet and they increase that to one person per 120 square feet. And they actually are using infrared sensors um, to monitor this and, and you know 
stick to their word and say that we're going to stay on top of this. Um, probably software they usually use to monitor foot traffic and, you know, to market people inside the store, but uh, potentially reusing that technology to make sure they're complying with social distancing, which I found really interesting. Um, Meyer in the same article is actually noted as ending some of their weekly sales to reduce the amount of people going to the stores. Uh, so again, like cutting into their own marketing, cutting into their own revenue to align with these guidelines, um, which is good to see. They made like the new normal become like normal really quickly. Like, oh, this is just what we're going to do now. While the grocery stores remained open with some new guidelines, some families like my own were trying to avoid them as much as we could and actually turn to online grocery delivery services and my wife led the charge for our family and i joke with her that she was basically day trading different delivery services because there were so many inventory issues i guess talk to me a little bit about then what this is a while ago now and i i remember at the time i just remember picturing you as like this warrior against uh well just fighting to get groceries um, do you remember what that was like? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I tried like every sort of <laughs> channel I could think of. We tried to do Peapod delivery to see if that was any different as far as the out-of-stock items. Then we tried Fresh Direct, but they were only a week out. Then I found that article online about making a Whole Foods a script that would find um, slots, time slots for Whole Foods delivery. So we did that a couple of times and it was more expensive. So it's not really a viable option for some people. We definitely easily spend a third more on groceries weekly than we used to. I don't want to get too political here, but Chrissy brings up some great points about just some of the barriers to entry here. Uh, one I think of is the technology and just the ability to go online and test out these services if you never have before. And she mentions the script we were using to try and get a Whole Foods uh, slot. This was a script we had to download from GitHub, put it on a Mac, and it, it loaded up a, a program that would look for slots uh, for Whole Foods delivery. Um, so right away that rules out I would assume older folks who maybe are, you know, fearful of going to the stores, they may not have this sort of access to technology or this knowledge to do these sorts of things. Uh, so they may be forced to go into stores, which is riskier. And if they're already more at risk, it's, it's not a great combination. And then she mentions the increase in price. These delivery services, they're a huge increase in price. Um, we're spending more on groceries just because of things tend to be more expensive. Um, we're having to buy more because we don't know when we're going to get the next slot. Um, and it, it is running up a cost and we're lucky we can do that, but there are families and, and people out there that can't afford that. And so they do have to keep going to the stores and trying to continue to save and, and stay within their budget. And again, that's another barrier. So, um, this really, you can see how it might start to divide some folks and put those at risk, at even more risk.
Well, there it is, the first episode of While We Were Quarantined. Got one under the belt. Feels good to have something done. I didn't know what this was going to be when I started it. I still don't know what it's going to be. Uh, I think some people were thinking I was crazy when I was starting this. Yeah, Scott does this really weird thing where he, like, goes to this room and talks to himself for an hour. <laughs> it's just really weird. <laughs> and probably still do. What do you feel right now? <laughs> A little concerned. <laughs> um, I think that I still don't really know what you're doing. No, it's a podcast. So we talk about it, but that's about it. But it has been a, a great experience so far, and I'm excited to continue it. So thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode. I hope you'll keep listening. Take care. Quarantined was recorded by me, Scott Taft. Music was provided by pixabay.com and freemusicarchive.org. You can find links to the articles mentioned in this episode in the show notes. You can find this podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.